Proverbs 22. We're dealing with the financial series. I believe this is number four. I think so, number four. And the, the title of the message today is Debt is Debilitating. And uh, you're not going to be surprised by that. But what we're trying to do is build uh, financial health. And I think that financial health is absolutely linked to spiritual health. When things aren't good financially, uh, things aren't good. Uh, if you're worrying about paying bills, if you're worried about lost income, if you're worried about indebtedness, those kinds of things, that is not good for your home. It's not good for your marriage. It's not good for your emotional health. It is not good for your spiritual health. So hopefully at the end of this, uh, we'll have a little bit of assistance for you, practical assistance. Um, but let me just do just one kind of caveat to it all. If, like, if you're really in financial trouble, deep, serious financial problem, I would always recommend to you that you go see a professional, uh, someone that can really help you through some of the things that may need to be done, necessary things in order to help you get back on track. But uh, we certainly want to speak to that today and, and help the church family. The concept of being a debtor is actually familiar and necessary in the Bible. The Bible tells us this, that sin makes us a debtor to God. You'll remember the passage in Matthew chapter 6, part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus teaches his disciples to say things like this, and forgive us our debts. Remember that one? Oh, back in the good old days when you could still say the Lord's Prayer in public school, I was taught, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Fifteen up crowd, amen? Amen. You remember that stuff, right? So I was always taught the trespasses. And when I was a kid growing up, trespassing meant you, weren't, you were on somebody's property that you weren't supposed to be. Scots, we were raiding their garden one night. They had a great garden. And we were raiding their garden one night. Um, raiding is code word for stealing from their garden. And my buddy Colin, like, lived there. We went to public school together, and he, he saw us. And we're thinking, well, no, no big deal, right? It's, it's Colin. Like, we're all in school together. And he ratted us out. So uh, we were sleeping in our tents in that, that summer. That's why we were out gallivanting in the middle of the night. And uh, OPP showed up at our door. Hey, Dave, ain't you guys got things better to do than check on kids pilfering gardens? Dave's retired now, but he's OPP. So, yeah, that was awkward. More awkward with my dad than it was with anybody. I'll let you fill in the rest. Trespasses. Forgive us our debts, Matthew chapter 6. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 the Bible says this, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Colossae, and he says this, having canceled out the certificate of debt, some versions say the written code, and it means this, that there were charges against us, things that we are broken, the law, uh, the rules of God, and Jesus' death on the cross pays the debt, pays for the penalty incurred for us. 
Our songwriters, our hymn writers pick it up. And, and I'll read this for you because I know the, the font size is pretty small. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. My Jesus paid the debt I could never pay. He paid the debt he did not owe. He cleansed my soul and he set me free. My Father Jesus washes my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. My Jesus paid the debt I could never pay. One day, he paid the debt he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. And then there's another chorus. Jesus paid it all, all to him. My own sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Remember some of those? Again, from the old. John 19 and 30. When Jesus was on the cross and it was just about the time for him, as the Bible says in the King James, to give up the ghost, he says this, it is finished. Ashley, you're going to love this. The Greek word is tetelestai and it's an accounting term, meaning that it's paid in full. The debt of humankind paid in full by the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for my sins, for your sins. We owed a debt. So, as unrepentant and unforgiven sinners, we're in a state of debt because our sins, Romans 6 and 23 says, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus dies on the cross. He sheds his blood as a substitutionary sacrifice, meaning this, he took our place. He takes our sins and the punishment for our sins upon himself. The penalty of sin, the debt of sin, is paid in full. Jesus, as it relates to our finances, would want us to have our debts paid in full. Can you say amen? We've all been there. So it's good to be forgiven and set free from our debt of sin and all of the guilt and all of the pain that comes with it. Jesus did that for you and he did that for me. The whole idea, folks, is this, is to be set free from bondage. Sin holds us captive. It places us in bondage. But the minute, the moment that we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're set free. The burden of sin, the penalty of sin, the curse of the sin, it's all lifted because it was placed on Jesus Christ. You know my favorite King James word. He was the propitiatory sacrifice for us. He took the sin and the wrath of God for all of the junk, all of the awfulness, all of the sin in our life, and he took it upon himself. And now we're set free. Oh, you know and I know that we're not perfect. You noticed? But we're not going to be held to account in the future when we go to be with Jesus. He's not going to say that there's un some unpaid debt yet hanging over our head, that there's something that we still have to pay through, through penance or prayer or something like that. That the slate is clean, the account is paid in full. It is finished. 
So we're set free from that bondage. That's why as your pastor and our, and our leadership, we don't want you to be in bondage to anything. We don't want you to be in bondage to sin as a general term or any kinds of sin that would hold you into bondage or captivity that would be putting uh, you know, guilt on you or some kind of weight or burden. And one of those weights and burdens that we would love to see everybody in the church family released from is the burden of debt, suffocating sometimes debt. Proverbs 22 and 7 says this, and you know it to be true. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. The national debt of Canada, and these are numbers that you probably don't care about, but my wife says I'm full of what? Information? Thank you for listening. What pastor asks for that out loud? You guys... You get all the good stuff, don't you? The Canadian national debt is $1.4 trillion. States is about $22 trillion. Consumer debt, not including mortgages in Canada. So take that out of the, the factor here. Consumer debt per person in Canada is $22,000 a head. Put that up there. Just soak that in with your eyes. Treat it like a spa. Linger in that. Those are some serious numbers, eh? That's per person. So how you, don't, don't say anything out loud. How you doing compared to that? Hopefully you're on the, uh, the better side of that. You get the gist from last week. Is all debt bad? No. Romans 13 and 8 says this, that God wants you to owe the debt of love, but just the debt of love. Just the debt of love. Uh, Pastor Adam talked about that so, so well in, in some of our early songs about understanding love, the love of Christ is the foundation. That if there's one thing that we want to keep paying on, keep paying out, is love. That we, we never exhaust that. In Deuteronomy 15 and 6, says it's blessed to loan, but not to borrow. That also tells us this, that borrowing is okay and loaning is okay. Obviously, the, the issue there is not getting in over our head. And in Psalm 37 and 21, it says, pay what you owe. So it gives us the impression that it's not uncommon sometimes to owe, but the Bible reminds us that we have a responsibility to pay what we owe. Proverbs 22 and 7 is a blanket statement. It's a generalization. But if debt is making you feel like a slave, then I think it's fair to say that it's probably bad and it's too much debt. Slavery to your debts, slavery to your loans. And I put there in the caption, you look at your check and the first thing you ask yourself is this. If you're asking yourself this, you probably are in trouble. How much of it will be left for me once I pay my bills and my debts? If that's the first thing that you're asking, that probably is a sign that you're either over the edge financially or that you're right on the edge. If you're thinking of that, you may be in financial trouble. We know that there are different kinds of debts. And again, I'm not looking for amens here, but many of us that have lived a little are aware of this. There's the student loans. 
we know that we have many of our young adults, many of our younger people that are that thousands and thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars, in, uh, you know, and, and will be for years uh, until they pay off their student loans. That could be considered an investment in the future and employment and those kinds of things, but nonetheless, it's, it's, it's debt that you have to deal with. I remember when I graduated uh, back in 84, after university and then after Bible college, I had $2,675 in debt. I thought that was a lot of money back then, and it probably was. I wonder how many of our students would kill for $2,675 worth of debt after five years of education. You'd probably feel like you got off so easy. Car loans, mortgages, credit cards. Don't you love it where they, you, you know, you keep your credit card balance good and they keep sending you like they want to up it all the time and you just want to write back and say leave me alone <laughs> furnishings electronics purchase those kinds of things Karen and I were in Tepperman's one day back in you know five six years ago we were in Tepperman's and uh, we're buying something I don't remember what it is if it's furniture I don't care it's uninteresting but apparently it was something we needed and there was a, a there was a, a lady or a couple there I'll try to jog Karen's uh, memory and they didn't read the fine print. They didn't realize that after taking the no interest loan for a number of years and having not paid on it and having missed the first payment when they were supposed to pay on it and all of that stuff that they owed interest from the time they took it out. And the, the lady or the couple, and I don't remember if it was two or one, but I remember her feeling the impact that she owed a whole bunch of interest on this already and she was literally having a meltdown at the counter. And Karen and I are looking at one another, thinking two things, poor lady, and glad that's not us. But it shows you the impact it has, eh? It shows you the emotional impact, the, the, the toll that it, that it has on us. When we borrow things, or pardon me, when we borrow money for things, when we take things on time, if the item isn't increasing in value, if it's not providing us a better future, if it's not creating for us the ability to earn an income, then it's likely bad debt. It's likely not the kind of debt that you want. And so it's important to be wise. I'm taking credit for this. I don't know if it's on the internet or not, but I'm totally taking credit for this and I'm copywriting this. Put the debt up there for me, the acronym debt. Uh, there you go. Lights going on. D-E-B-T, debt. Debt equals banking trouble. Do you guys have the, uh, the call center guys calling you up, telling you them that you owe them money and they're sending the RCMP? Any of you have that? Yeah. Uh, it kind of runs and peaks at our house. The first time we had that, my wife had surgery, Karen had surgery, and she was at home uh, all day long for a while, and she's normally at work and misses all those phone calls. But I remember I was at the office one day, and she called me. She said, Brent, I just got a phone call from some credit agency saying that we owe them money and that I need to call them back right away or I'm going to be in big trouble. And since then, and that was years ago, we've had... Revenue Canada's coming to get us. The police are coming to get us. GPS, Dave, on the police, because the police have still not found me, and they, they told me years ago they were coming to get me. I mean, you know, you need to call us right away. Have you had all of those? 
scare the pants off you when you first get one, eh? Because even my wife, my godly wife, for those of you that don't know who the woman is that I'm talking to here, just in case you don't know. And even, even she's a little accusatory when she gets that call. I, I get home and she says, Brent, do we owe money to somebody that we're not paying? Like I'm, because I take care of that stuff, right? So like, you know, and even my wife isn't trusting me and I'm like, no. <laughs> but it makes you think, right? It makes you think. It's like, whoa, well, maybe I, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I did miss something. So then I get on the Google because the Google does not lie. And, and, and I look up the phone numbers. I look up the phone numbers and the Google tells me that, oh, no, these guys do that all the time. Now, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some of you do owe them money. Pay them off. Okay? Because we got to get rid of these phone calls. But I don't owe them any money. But I tell you, they freaked us out for a while. You start going through your stuff and you're going, well, I don't know. I think it's all paid. I don't know. Debt. Why is debt such a big deal? Let me go through some scripture for you today. Proverbs 22 and 7. Debt makes you a slave to others. Now, it doesn't have... Overwhelming debt does. Again, there's, there's good debt, mortgages. Hopefully, you're building equity, those kinds of things. Student loans could be considered good debt because it's going to create an ability to earn an income for you down the road. All right? But then there's the consumer debt, which almost always is, is, well, not almost always, I think generally it's always a bad thing. And if you acquire too much of it, it makes you a slave to others. You get into that, you get your paycheck on Friday or every other week, however you get that, and you look at it and you go, honey, you know, after we pay all this stuff off, like there's hardly anything for us. That's probably a pretty good sign that you're in too much debt for the current income that you're earning. Two, debt adds emotional and physical stress to our lives. I'm taking a verse. You could say it's out of context, but I don't think so. The Bible says to be anxious about nothing. What makes us more anxious than a lack of money? What brings more anxiety to our homes than the uncertainty that we can pay the bills? You saw in the news, if you watch any kind of American news, about the federal workers that were laid off or furloughed or whatever it is that you call, and it was amazing, right? How many of them, missing one paycheck, were already in financial crisis? Now, hear me. I am sympathetic to not getting paid. Hear me. But if one paycheck... If you miss one paycheck, whether it's for two weeks or one week or whatever it is, and that puts you in financial crisis, that puts you to a food bank, then my suggestion is there's a way bigger problem. I mean, I don't know. I, I grew up with the lecture. It was always, you better have three months put away, right? And when you're young, you laugh at that. You go, sure, you know. And I realized that two factors change all this. Income and spending. You can have a lot of income and be in debt. You can have a little income and not be in debt. You can have a little income and be in debt. It isn't always how much we earn. It's, it's how much we spend, especially sometimes on things that aren't necessary. But if we're earning a certain amount of income and most of it is going to what the, the basic necessities then, obviously that is challenging enough. That is challenging enough all on its own. 
if you're doing the best you can and the best you can isn't creating the kind of income or helping us to, to pay off the things that we need to pay for. But what we don't want to do is add emotional and physical stress to our lives through unnecessary spending. Because the emotional and the physical will affect the health of your relationships with people and it will affect your relationship with the Lord. It is a weight, financial, financial distress, too much debt is a weight that sits plumbly on your shoulders and in your head and in your heart. And it can be absolutely overwhelming. God does not want you to be in financial stress or experiencing financial anxiety. That is not what he wants for you. Hebrews 13 and 16 tells us this, that debt can limit our choices to do good. As Christ followers, we're expected to be generous, not just to ourselves or our families, but to others as well. And when we bury ourselves in debt, it limits our choices to do good. The good that we want to do, the spiritual seed that we want to sow is limited. And so we're not able to sow what we could sow. At the same time, because of the spiritual impact that it has on us, it tends to make us feel, for lack of a better expression, blue. We don't even want to do good because we are so focused on the current pain, the current financial pain that we're experiencing right now. Fourth, Debt can also be a sign of a lack of spiritual fruit. You say, Pastor, how can you say that? Galatians 5 and 23 says this, that one of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Self-control. The ability to control ourselves, to spend and to make choices that are wise, godly choices that Jesus would approve of. And again, don't put us in to debt or indebtedness or put a burden on us or put us back into bondage. I can't stress enough of how God does not want you in any kind of bondage. And then fifth, debt can be a sign of misplaced worship. Some of it's driven by the stuff. And again, you've heard me say this before, we believe the lie that somehow the stuff is going to make us happy. Or it's going to soothe us. And we've May, I don't know if all of us have done this, but probably some of, the, of us have done this. We've gone to the mall, or we've gone to Canadian Tire, or we've gone to Lowe's, or we've gone somewhere, and we've bought something because it makes us feel good, and we didn't really need it, but it makes us feel good. Even while we were buying it, there might have been that voice that says, you really can't afford this, but we get some sense of, of satisfaction or, or, or even joy from it but it doesn't last. The Bible reminds us that we can't love both God and the stuff. King James says mammon. Other versions say money. But, but it's not just about the money, the paper, the coin. It's about our stuff, that we have to be careful about misplaced worship. The devil will work at us where there is the greatest opportunity for success. And in Western culture, that is often through the stuff. The acquiring more stuff. I was with somebody yesterday helping them get their house ready for sale. And we were divesting the home from stuff. There's a lot of trips out the door. 
just stuff. So debt truly is a four-letter word. Debt really does lead us into all kinds of banking, financial trouble. Debt does become a burden that Jesus doesn't want us under. So when we think about all of that, the question then, and I realize we're just down to the last few minutes here, the question is then, well, what, what do we do? So let me give you some practical advice. As I, I, I don't back away from what I said earlier. If you're in really deep in financial debt and you're not making it and you're kind of going under with the debt, I think it's really important for you to seek out a good financial counsel from somebody who's got the smarts to do that and help you to, to plow a path forward and then learn from that so as not to do it again. But let me give you some practical advice here about managing debt. And I realize in 30 minutes this, this can't be handled in the depth that it needs. We're, we're doing the small group beginning next Sunday balanced. And Andy Stanley from, uh, from Atlanta area um, is the teacher. And I think Andy does a really great job. I call him Andy because we're such close friends. Um, but I think Andy Stanley does a really, a really good job with a lot of the stuff that he teaches, and we've used him in our small groups for quite a number of topics. But, but the focus there from the title, balanced, about having a balanced approach to you know, our stewardship as Christ followers in our homes, with our purchases, with our sowing into the kingdom, with debt, Understanding, you know, generally that if we take care of ourselves, we, we can create a better future for ourselves uh, by spending less than we make, having room to invest in the kingdom, take care of our own future, having room to, to help others that are in need of help. And again, the fact that it presents choices, and it's one less thing to worry about, eh? Like, how many of us need one more thing to worry about? Especially this thing. So let me just give you some help here. One of the things that they tell us to do when you're at banks and you feel like you're in over your head is they tell you to consolidate what you have. Take all of that, you know, all that consumer debt and put it into one loan. And that sometimes is a good thing, providing you don't incur any new debt. Because then what will happen is you'll have the consolidated loan, and if you start using credit cards again or start borrowing at furniture stores, stuff like that, guess what? Now you may have a mortgage payment or rent. You've got a consolidated loan that's got a significant number in it. And then you start adding more debt to yourselves. So if you're going to do that, you have to learn to go credit free. Let me give you an illustration of this. I had a family member way back when I was younger. So this was an older sibling. I had a family member uh, back in the day, uh, probably the late 70s. And this family member of mine trusted their spouse to take care of the bills. Little things like mortgages. And um, my family member's spouse kind of went rogue and quit paying things and was spending money on other stuff. And uh, they eventually lost their house and had to move back in with my family, my parents, which is very humbling. They, by this time, they're in their 30s. It was very humbling. And so my family member basically spoke this mantra after, and it served them well. And they are very, financially now, they're on a very solid foundation. They have a wonderful home in Welland, and it's gorgeous and paid for. 
And it was like, if I can't, if I can't do it cash, I'm not doing it. Now, that sounds crazy old-fashioned. I know that. But if you have found that you cannot manage credit, then probably the best thing for you is to go hardcore cash or debit only. And if you can't afford it, you don't get it. Period. Now you say, well, Pastor Brent, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, maybe so is the debt you're in. So what are you going to do, right? We're always looking for quick, easy fixes for some of this that's very substantial, and it's not a quick, easy fix. And sometimes really hard choices have to be made when we found that we've really dug ourselves in a hole. Like, I'd like to be a little bit more conciliatory with you, but for some of us, we're in so deep, if we don't make really hard choices, we're never going to get out of it. Never going to get out of it. Or you're going to live the, like the rest of your adult life always paying stuff off and never having the joy of financial freedom. You mentioned, you know, families going to Florida, right? Like, it's so great when you can do stuff like that and pay for it and not come back to a bill. Or Christmas time that you give the gifts at Christmas morning and you're still not paying for it in March. When nobody even cares about the gifts anymore, but, but you're still paying it off. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you don't need to do that stuff to you. And sometimes that means we have to make hard, difficult choices to get out from underneath the bondage of debt. So, secondly, reduce spending and add the savings to your debt. There's a concept. Quit spending so much. I, I, I talked to you about my 2009 journey, right? That Lawrence keeps on the road for me. Um, when I got the snow tires on it, my wife calls it the beater car. I mean, I'd like to drive a newer car, but there's really nothing wrong with the one that I'm driving right now other than the fact that it's a little grumbly now. It's got a little to it. But no check engine light on. It's still good on gas, and it still gets me everywhere I want to go. And, uh, I mean, that's what we want out of a car, really, right? I mean, is the 63 or the 64 Corvette with the split back window? Anybody know? 63? Thanks. I'd love that, honey. But I just think it's wrong to put this body in that car. <laughs> so we'll do the 2009 journey. Reduce spending and add the savings to your debt. It would be nice to put it away or go to the movie or go to the keg or go to the Mandarin. All of those are good ideas, by the way. But sometimes you have to do the grown-up thing and reduce the spending. And the money that you have saved now from that, you put on your debt. Whether it's the biggest thing or the highest interest rate or the smallest loan to pay it off quick so that you feel like you're making some success. Again, the bankers have all kinds of different uh, you know, opinions on that. What, what's to do? But you have to deal with the debt. You can't say, well, I've been a good boy or a good girl, and so I'm going to spend this. No, you've got to put it on the debt or it's never going to be reduced. Renegotiate if you can. We don't recognize sometimes that you can sometimes make a better deal when it comes to some of our interest rates, whether it's consumer loans through credit cards or our banks. It's worth a discussion. But some of us just like, well, that's what it is, that's what it is. But sometimes you can negotiate that stuff. You go in and you're honest and say, look, I want to pay this off, but I'm crippled by this. What can you do to help me? And many times they're willing to help you. Sometimes we have to do this. You're not going to love me. Add some more income. Add another job, part-time, 
online something sometimes in the early years the only way to get beyond this beyond reducing our spending is to increase our income and again sometimes that means sacrifices because we say this well I don't want to be working any longer I feel like I'm out of the home too much as it is that I'm spending too much time at work but sometimes again we have to do the adult thing and take on the extra job take on the extra time however it is that we decide to do that whether it's direct sales or just going out and flipping burgers in order to get us back in a, in, in a you know a good financial place you may not have to do that forever but you may have to do that for a time usually the two things are reducing spending and increasing your income Sell stuff you don't need and apply it to your debt. Now, you might think that that's crazy too, but I know. I know the younger generation. You guys are on the internet and doing the Kijiji thing and, and, and selling stuff. Uh, Mitch is great at this. Uh, Mitch, I don't know, he was selling a gun cabinet the other day. He sold a gun cabinet, sold some kids' toys, stuff like that. They're moving. And, and so he was selling all that. Now, me... That just sounds like so much work. <laughs> like what I'd like to do is just yard sale it and like I'd be done with it. But we did a big yard sale once and I don't even know if I got the energy for that. Thank God I don't have anything that anybody wants to buy anyways. 63, eh? Sweet, nice car. Apparently I need another job. You need a plan. You notice at the top of the five things, it's not exhaustive, folks. It was never meant to be exhaustive. It, it can't be exhaustive. Again, I've got 30 minutes to do this. But you need a debt plan. And you have to make the growing up difficult, hard decisions, or you're going to be floundering that for way too many years. Let me give you some more. Number six, always pay more than minimum when you can when if you have a credit card on any loan always do more than you can i've talked to some young couples that just took out mortgages talking about whether you have a monthly mortgage payment or a weekly mortgage payment or a bi-weekly mortgage payment and it's amazing how sometimes information isn't passed on about depending on how you do it you're going to pay it longer or that you can pay more on your anniversary date. There's the once a year that if you have some extra, you can go in and do that, and there's no penalty. But whatever it is, pay. I, I mean, I was telling uh, some people the other day, I had a $40.13 visa bill, and it told me that if I paid the $10 a month, the minimum payment, it would take me four and a half months to pay that off. 40 bucks! Imagine if you have four and a half thousand, or six and a half thousand. You do the math. If you need to, do what my family member did. Eliminate credit cards from your life. Don't just put them on ice in the freezer and say, well, you know, when I get all this done with, I'll, I'll thaw them again. No, get rid of them. Walk them back to the bank and say, look, I can't do this. Again, it's not a problem if you're good with it. But if you found that you're not good with it, then it's probably good to walk them back. Number nine, seek a financial expert if you're really stuck. I've mentioned it twice. That's the third time, but I think that's important. Your pastor isn't the expert on this. Number 10, this is going to blow you up. Learn to give. You reap from what you sow. You might say, well, if I'm in debt and I'm in this and I'm in that, then I can't learn, I, I can't give. That's not biblical either. The Bible says is we reap from what we sow. If you sow nothing, you will, you will reap nothing. 
There's more to it than that. That could be unpacked even more. Number 11, understand this, that freedom from debt may take years, but take baby steps, folks. Start. Start. Here's what happened. You look at the numbers and you go, wow, you know, even if I do this, that, or the other thing, it's going to take three years. It's going to take five years. It's going to take seven years. And I, you know what? I know that that sounds like a long time, but it's worth it. It's worth it. When you get to the end of that debt, three, five, seven years from now, from that consumer debt, from that credit card debt, from that really bad debt, and you're free on the other side, I tell you, you're going to have a party like nobody's party ever. And you're going to have choices in your life. And when you get your check, it's going to be like, hey, honey, we've got this. We can sow here. We can give there. We can also take care of ourselves. We can bless the kids. We can bless the grandkids. We can take on a, a child in a foreign country under Child Care Plus. What it does, folks, is it gives you choices and opportunities that you've never had before because it's always been. It comes in this way. And it goes out that way. Our debt. The biggest debt that we owe is the debt of sin. And Christ paid for it completely and wholly. There's nothing residual hanging on. There's no minimum payment again next month or the month after or the month after. It's great to know that we've been set free from the bondage and the penalty and the guilt of sin. That the spiritual stuff has been set free. But folks, Jesus, Jesus wants you to have a life and a more abundant life. And that doesn't just mean the spiritual stuff. You know, the goal isn't this, and I'll wrap it up with this. The goal isn't this. Well, you know, when I get raptured and I die and go to heaven, at least I won't be bringing my debt with me. And all the kids said, Mom, Dad, really? You're going to leave it to us? Jesus took care of all the spiritual stuff, but he wants you to have an abundant life. An abundant life means that, again, that you're free from fear and anxiety while you're living for him. And part of that freedom, and a big part of that freedom, especially in our culture, is the financial freedom. You've heard the slogan, Freedom 55. Well, I guess we can wait till we're 55. But Jesus would want us free almost immediately, as soon as we can be, from the, the kinds of debt that just suck the love and the life and the joy out of your Monday to Saturday. Saints, look at me. Jesus does not want you under that kind of burden, under that kind of bondage. Better to have little and be content with that, the Bible says, than to have a whole lot of stuff that you can't pay for. And you know in your heart it is not making you any happier. It is not added to the quality of your life one bit or made anybody else very happy either. So let's truly live free. Not just spiritually free, knowing that the debt, the sin's been dealt with, but financially free from the burden as well. Let's pray.